So is there a more iconic song in Prince's entire 38-year discography? Well, that's debatable for sure. The two words that seem to follow the man around more than any others are the words purple and rain. But together, they form the name of the film and the album that dominated the pop culture landscape in 1984-85. To help me navigate this title song's seemingly arcane lyrics is Aloy Lasanta. Aloy is maybe better known in the Prince community from his Prince's Friend YouTube channel, but I'm happy to have him here on my show today. Welcome, Aloy. Thanks for having me on, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled to have you here. Um, this is your first time as a guest on my podcast, so I wanted to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners if they're not already familiar with who you are and, and what you do as part of the Prince community. So take it away. Uh, sure. You know, it's it's what I do is is honestly just share my love of Prince music. Uh, and it's it's kind of interesting the way that I started my channel. I think we're we're going on, um, you know, almost four years. I think I started my my channel in May of uh, 2016, uh, very illegally, uh, just posting up things I was not supposed to post up on YouTube. And what it's kind of turned into is this really kind of positive place of like celebrating Prince and and having discussions about Prince, not just like, hey, that song's great, but like, why is that song great? And what do the lyrics mean? And, you know, how does that fit within the total construct of Prince's career? But also where does that fit in in the community? And, you know, what that's all led to is the ability for me to have kind of created this, you know, amazing community of of amazing people who come onto my YouTube channel and, you know, they, they seem to enjoy what I do at least, or they tolerate it, I will say. And, um, you know, but the video itself is really just any video I do as a launching off point. And, you know, the biggest thing that I love to do is then to go down into the comments and, you know, not people just talking with me, but like everybody's talking with each other and there's real discussion kind of happening. It's almost, uh, it's, it's, it's just weird in that way. It's something that I really, really enjoy. And, you know, it, it started off as kind of a place to, to mourn, you know, Prince and to kind of everybody get together and kind of come and come to terms with our emotions. And it's turned into really just a place of celebration, which is, um, you know, I'm, and I'm definitely like honored and you know, humbled to be able to be the one to kind of lead that community, um, because that was definitely not like the goal when I started it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I started it, it was just a place for me to come out and say like, "I love Prince, and this is why." And um, that seemed to just resonate with, you know, more and more people. You know, to the point where you know we're over twenty thousand subs now at this point, and that's a big deal. You know, for me to have. Um, you know, that much connection with uh, the people who love, you know, this man's music the same way that I love his music. Right, right, absolutely. And I just wanted to take a quick moment to express my gratitude to you for what you do on your show as well. I discovered your channel, uh, I don't know, about three years ago, give or take. Well, I was just kind of searching for anything Prince-related on YouTube, anyone that was talking about Prince after he had passed and just kind of sharing sharing moments, uh, sharing nostalgic moments of listening to his music or just, you know, the sadness of his passing. Yeah. And your your channel came across to me as a really genuine expression of grief and admiration, but also an honest way to just deal with the emotions of losing somebody that, you know, has been, whose music has been such a big part of your life. And because I felt the same way. And, you know, you admired him for a number of reasons as as I did as well. And you just came across to me as someone like very genuine, but you know, like a regular guy, not just like an industry insider or somebody who was a former bandmate or knew him personally. So basically, somebody that I could relate to because you know I'm like you in that respect. I never, I never actually met him and didn't work with him right. during his lifetime. But somebody who still, I, in spite of that, felt a, a close kinship with because of of his music being a part of my almost my entire life. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, and I use the, um, I use the moniker of Prince's friend 
uh, and I, you know, a lot of people are like, well, did you ever meet him or, you know, or anything? And, and like you said, like, no, I never met him. Uh, there was a, there was a phase, you know, in his career where he stopped using the word fan. He started using the word friend. And that was like a large part of where, you know, I was really, really deep into it. So I've always used the term friend and, uh, you would, you would be, you would be surprised at how many people come to the channel saying, uh, you know, oh, you never met him? Like, why are you using the term friend? And and I'm just like, because everything has context. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the reason. Um, but I also use the term friend because, you know, fan is for fanatic. And, and I do end up with some people who come into my, you know, my channel and they're, they're surprised that like everything I say isn't just Prince is the best, Prince is a genius, everything that he ever touched was the best thing in the world and everything. And it's just like, it's like, well, you know, if if, if I'm going to be Prince's friend here, um, then I also need to point out when like, hey, something wasn't all that great. Uh, yeah. Just you like know, a real friend would. Just yeah. like a real friend would, exactly. So, you know, for me, it's all about, you know, I appreciate what you said, you know, that I, I came off as genuine because that's basically what I am. You know, I come on and I just kind of uh, ramble on about what I think about Prince. And sometimes people are like, that was really dumb. And I'll be like, yeah, I probably was. Um, but, <laughs> you know, but other times people are like, whoa, I've never thought of it that way. And that's, that's the big thing that I enjoy doing and why I like being a part of the Prince community is um, that every, every so often I will throw out this, this thing this idea that, you know, people will be like, whoa, I never thought of that album or that song in that way. And you have now changed my appreciation for that song. And that's what I love to be able to do. Yeah, and you definitely do that. You definitely do that. You highlight aspects of Prince's career that not not everybody is celebrating or highlighting. Not because, um, you know, it's not good music, but just because they weren't as famil familiar with it. It didn't sell 10 million records. It wasn't, it wasn't in the forefront of every um, popular culture news, news program or on, in films or on the radio or on t MTV all the time. It was kind of more hidden. You had to search it out. You had to seek it out for yourself. Yeah. And the music is still there and it still holds up. And what you're doing is important because it does shed light on some of you know prince's less heralded albums and music and it that needs to happen that needs to be there yeah so i'm i'm personally thankful for that and i'm sure many others as well another thing i'm personally thankful for is you know because of your channel and because of what i saw as somebody who was like i said a regular guy who was just <laughs> using his um his skills and also using you know the technology that's available to us you know t uh, video sharing internet yep. videos to do that and share your love of prince and his music with the community and that's what i love about this whole thing is there's a community that's been built it's always been there but maybe we felt a little more fractured mm -hmm. before prince passed but after you know april 2016 a lot of us have come together in ways that we wouldn't have otherwise and it's it's the silver lining i guess if if we're looking for one yeah i think it was last year at celebration that um i think it was wendy it was either wendy or lisa and i said it wrong when i did my video after it and i'm probably about to do it wrong now i think it's lisa i think i'm gonna say that um but like basically what she said was like when prince passed like it, it basically he gave all of us to each other Mm -hmm. You know, like, but when he was alive, he gave us all music. He gave himself to us. And when he passed, he, you know, we are now together. We're, we're, we're stronger now because we all have to be in this fight to kind of keep his legacy alive, which I thought was pretty cool. And by Lisa, I mean, Lisa Coleman and Wendy Melvoin. Yeah. I, I guess I should probably, I probably didn't need to preface that, but you know, <laughs> I also don't want to make it sound like, you know, I was hanging out with Lisa and Wendy. Like, no, this was on a panel. First name basis only. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> so yeah, basically what I'm trying to say is what you've done kind of was the catalyst to get me started doing what I'm doing here in my podcast because I kind of felt like I had something to say too and I had 
I wanted to kind of find my own way and what what made sense for what my skills were and it also drew me to people that I wouldn't have been in contact with otherwise like if I didn't have this avenue through this podcast I wouldn't have met so many great people in the same way that I'm meeting them now and that is part of the community it's part of what he gave us 100% um, so we're here to talk about Purple Rain yes the song so this is this is an enormous song from Prince's discography from a ubiquity standpoint uh, form a pop culture standpoint everybody knows Prince if they don't know him from anything else they know this song right I mean that's kind of what the song is to a lot of people is the song capital T it was the third song released off of the album but it never even went to number one on the charts which is kind of an odd thing to think about you know in hindsight but it, it that doesn't really matter in 2020 you know that that i mean it did get to number two it did get to number two it was a big hit it was a big hit but it never <laughs> went to number one which well in the u.s it never got to number one true true and, yeah. and it actually it got number one in belgium and the netherlands well those guys knew what they were doing <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, anyway, so the, it doesn't matter in 2020 really where it ended up on the charts in 1984 because it has its place today as, as one of his most iconic songs. So it's kind of a, a big deal to have an episode dedicated to this and talking about the lyrics that so many people have thought about or heard, I should say, but maybe never thought about in the way that, you know, we're going to talk about on this episode. Yeah. So it's mainly known as, you know, the song that was in the climax of the film. It seems to have like this magical property to it in the film itself. It simultaneously, you know, addresses the kid's faults in the film, like a lot of his personal failings and how his personal relationships with with Apollonia, with his bandmates Wendy and Lisa, with Morris Day, and even, you know, Billy, the the club manager. They all seem to just kind of, all of their angst and all of the issues that they've had with the kid over the, the course of the film just seem to melt away during the performance of this song, which, like I said, it seems to kind of have a magical property to it in the movie. <laughs> and it, it really kind of heals himself as well. You kind of get the sense of that healing the kid himself due to a lot of the, uh, the violence that he saw throughout the, his life at home his father's abuse of his mother, and then, of course, his subsequent uh, suicide attempt. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's, a, it's a big plot point in the film, the performance of this song. So I think what we'll do on this episode is I kind of always looked at this song from a standpoint of what is its context of the film, the narrative that is being told in the lyrics of this song and how it relates to the film. But, but you have a, a unique kind of take on this song or at least you've done your due diligence in thinking of this song from a different perspective and that's that's what i think a lot of people will be interested in hearing do you want to just briefly before getting too into detail briefly talk about how you came up with those theories or maybe where you first communicated them on your channel well sure i mean for me it, you know the just taking the lyrics just as they are it was, you know it's definitely kind of uh you know it's a i'm sorry song you know, so which is why it has such a huge, you know, impact in the movie is because he has, you know, kind of wronged all these people and he dedicates it to his dad who, you know, he feels uh, he also wronged uh, and who he feels wronged by. And it's, you know, it's a big apology song, you know, <laughs> um, but when I decided to actually start kind of delving into the lyrics, um, I found some quotes and I found just, you know, different people talking about different parts of the song. And I realized that, like, I really had never really kind of dove deep into what the lyrics really meant. I kind of just would sing along and, uh, you know, enjoy the music. And I never really overthought it until I was like, hey, I should probably, like, figure out what the <laughs> what this song means. It's one of his <laughs> biggest songs. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the, it's like the, you know, it's the touchstone for Prince in a lot of ways. You know, if it, anybody who gets into Prince, it ends up, you know, listening to Purple Rain at some point, like there's no way to get around it. Right. So the biggest, the biggest thing that I found when I was doing my research was, um, was Prince's explanation of it himself, yeah. you know, and that was that, 
you know, the sky is blue, and if it's raining blood, then it's purple rain. Uh, the mixing of the red and the blue. And it really, it, 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 it hit me hard, because I was just like, really? That's what it is? And I never knew it for, like, the 30-plus years I've been listening to Prince? Mm-hmm. Like, how is this a thing that I've never known this? Um, especially since he said it. You know, it's just a quote I've never heard. But, you know, you take that into account, and but it also becomes, like, it should have been obvious if you track, like, the lyrical content of the songs from 1999, obviously, you know, leading into Purple Rain. Like, it makes sense. Like, yeah, of course, it's all about the end of the world. The sky was all purple. There were people running everywhere. Exactly. So why didn't I connect that? Why didn't any of us connect? I mean, probably not just you. (laughs) It wasn't just me, but I'm sure there were a lot of others who were just like, whoa. (laughs) Well, I think, I think personally, I think it's because a lot of it is because of the film, right? I mean, the film was huge. The album was huge, and this was an, an enormous moment in the film. And this, and the film has nothing to do with the apocalypse. You know, it's not really going down that path. There's no plot points in the film that goes down those paths. So sure. most people just look at the song, myself included, and how it fits in with the narrative of the film, because of so many other songs on the album have very distinct moments in the film where they fit in and what they mean with the with the movie so like let's go crazy it's just like the opening just to kind of show that the kid and the revolution are like this rocking band taking over first avenue everybody's dancing and having a great time doesn't talk anything about you know you don't get any sense for what the true lyrics of let's go crazy are you know right of course because it's not really what the movie's about and so then you got love songs like take me with you and kid in apollonia riding around on a motorcycle so that fits so every single song on the album has its moment in the film and how it fits in purple rain is no exception mm-hmm. so i mean that's it sounds like an excuse but that's kind of what it is it's, it's an excuse why none of us many of us never thought of it in its deeper meaning and deeper context because we felt like it was handed to us on a platter because of the film and we're well, like, okay, well, it must mean this because this is how it meant in the film. Well, you're not wrong either. I mean, because Prince, um, he had a lot of, you know, spirituality and religion and stuff in his music. Uh, from the very beginning, he, it was there. But he he knew what was required to, you know, sign the next contract and get the next record out. And if you sing about God and Jesus and... <laughs> you know the bible and all that stuff then you know you might get you might go uh, you might get a frankincense record but you're not going to get <laughs> you're not going to get that platinum record that you want well, that's a reference times platinum yeah exactly. yeah exactly that's a that's a reference to like christian music they have gold frankincense myrrh like those <laughs> are their colors it's not it's not gold and platinum and you know all that stuff yeah yeah that's clever i like that yeah so i mean it makes sense for them but like but prince he wouldn't get that platinum because it just wouldn't exist because when you do something like that you and this is something you know it's a human thing uh and it's a definitely a human thing that has now translated into business but uh we like categories uh we like to be able to easily describe something uh which was not something you could do with Prince's music very well uh, at all, like through his entire, you know, like one album is very different from the next, but even one song on an album is very different from the next track, you know, so it was very hard to categorize him. But if at any point he had gotten too blatant with, you know, his religion and his spirituality early on in his career, he definitely did it later on. But early in his career, had he done it at any time, it would have been like, oh, well, obviously he's a Christian recorder. We now know where to put him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but he defied any of those conventions. And any time that it looked like he was going to get classified in one area, he'd be like, oh, so you think I'm mostly R&B? Well, here's a rock album. You know, it's like, oh, well, now you think I'm rock? Oh, well, here's a funk album. Oh, you think I'm funk? Well, here's a pop album. You know, and, and he was... That's what I loved about Prince is that, you know, you never knew what you were going to get next yeah and it really required listeners to keep up with them in a way that most other artists and musicians don't require i mean 
let's be honest, a lot of people stay in their lane. And if they do deviate from their lane, it's only slightly. You know, if you have to kind of to really follow Prince's career over the nearly 40 years, you, it really requires you to be open to a lot of different styles of music, right? Mm -hmm. Like you got to be open to hints of of country even in some songs or, you know, psychedelic pop rock that kind of was popular 30 years prior. Yeah. But then you also have to kind of dig hip hop, you know, you can't listen to his a lot of his 90s stuff. And if you hate hip hop, boy, you're not going to really be a big fan of a lot of his stuff in the 90s. That, there's there. That's pretty much the reason why a lot of people fell off in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, to stay with it and to really if you're able to enjoy his entire discography for what it is, you either uh, already have like an inherent love for just music in general and different yeah. styles and different genres or you be learned to like it because of Prince, right? I mean, that's another option. Like, oh, yeah, like a gateway. Definitely. Like I never yeah. really got into, like if somebody says, I never really got into hip hop, but then I listened to the Prince music in the 90s and that kind of was my gateway. I mean, it wasn't for me personally. I already was into hip hop prior to that, but but I really think like a lot of people had to to embrace different styles of music. And for Purple Rain, this was this was obviously his rock record uh, I think that's been pretty clearly dis established. I mean, he made oh, yeah. a very synth and funky album, synth-heavy funk album with 1999. And yeah, there's guitars on that record, of course, but um, not like there is on this album. And oh, Purple yeah. Rain is like the like the epitome of a power ballad in just about every sense of the word, uh, and a power rock ballad with you know a huge instrumental portion at the end of the song. So let me ask you this, Aloy. Uh, sure. For Purple Rain, that song, obviously, through your channel, you've made it very clear. Like, you you got into Prince in the 90s, Graffiti Bridge on, and you had to um, discover his 80s music, you know, looking backwards. Right. So when you got into Purple Rain, when you first started hearing it or listening to it, for your own sake, did this song speak to you in a way that maybe it spoke to that you would imagine spoke to other people or was it kind of like eh, it's a good song but you know what was your what was your thought about it when you first heard it so i mean going going back and listening to it and i was i've always categorized myself as you know uh, a student of prince you know so i got into prince in 1990 and then i was like well i need more of this but I wasn't just gonna just jump backward and just listen to whatever. Uh, I had decided that I was. I went and bought For You, and then I bought Prince, and then I bought you know uh, Dirty Mind and Incontrover, and I went in order. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like that was gonna give me the the best kind of experience to be able to understand this this man that like my ears had fallen in love with, and you know doing that uh, in the early days of CDs and stuff, you know there was no internet and whatnot, <laughs> um, so you didn't have access to lyrics. So like literally, I would just sit down and I would like write out the lyrics. I'd listen to a line. I'd be like, is that what he's saying? And I would write down. And I had to transcribe all of my own lyrics so that I like understood what was happening and where he was growing and where he was going. And I think, though, what ended up happening was I had this kind of big expectation for Purple Rain. Sure. sure. It was it was a little bit hyped, you know, obviously, because I was like, I know that that's going to be his big one because that's what everybody says. So but I'm not going to listen to it yet. I'm going to I'm going to wait and I'm going to get to it afterwards. And I had already heard it and I had seen the movie and stuff. But like I, I wasn't going to sit down and take my deep dive like mm -hmm. right away uh so i was like i went through all the albums in 1999 like blew my socks off so i was like so if purple rain is even better than that this is gonna be amazing and then i got to purple rain and the album is it's pretty darn amazing i mean it just is you know a lot of people are like well you know you you don't really like the 80s and i'm just like well you know that's more a personal style sort of thing and more because it gets played a lot and like that's i don't want him to only be known for his 80s stuff um but there's no arguing that purple rain is an amazing album you know so i mean that's just fact uh but the interesting thing about kind of 
the way that the album went because I did listen to the album before kind of diving uh, you know deep into the movie again because I wanted to experience the songs without that context. Sure. Um, so when I went and listened to it, um, I would say, and I know this was a long way for me to come to the answer, uh, yes, uh, it actually did have a huge impact on me. Um, it It's one of those songs, especially after, and this is different in the movie, which is why I was kind of prefacing it with that, um, I think it works better as that finale than it than it did in the movie which was kind of the pre-finale and then you just get into the fancy songs yeah. um you know <laughs> i thought it actually worked way better on the album as like that final final song um because like after that ending and the way it kind of fades away with the with the strings and everything like that's a like that's a statement already being said so to have so so to say something else after that seems to I don't know. It seems wrong. So. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with you. I, I as an end al- album ender, it is um, flawless in my opinion. Yeah. And where it fits in the movie, okay, I get it. You know, it was it was supposed to be like I said, like this healing moment, mm-hmm. and then to show the audience and show us, you know, that he's now a happy man. You know, because right? we all wanted to see him happy at the end. <laughs> How can you show that he's happy after this this somber kind of apologetic song yeah. by playing a bunch of really dancey fun tracks to end the film to leave everybody with a big smile on their face? Oh yeah, and it was a great way to end the film. Yeah, but I think it just works better in a different order, and that's just you know, and that's just about sequencing. Yep. You know, like I've I actually did a whole uh, I did a video about like sequencing, and I talk about sequencing all the time. Uh, because, you know, what Prince is trying to do on a lot of his albums is he, he is telling a story. Um, and usually that story is you fall in love, bad stuff happens, but you eventually find that love again. And through that love, you find God. Like that is ba- like if you listen to, I would say, 75 percent of Prince albums, that's the story that's being told. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. Um, because I, and again, I always look at everything through stories because I have a background of like creative writing and you know, that's that's what I do. Uh, so I always look at everything in terms of stories. Uh, so when like, for instance, uh, you take one song and you know, when I'm kind of di- diagnosing an album, I'm like, so why is this track seven? You know, why, why is it coming after six and before eight? Why isn't it track five? Like be, there has to be a reason and sometimes it's for like listening, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, well, it's there to break up a couple of like really fast songs. There's a slow song in the middle. I get that. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it's like if you listen to the subject matter of the song, uh, he is taking you on a journey. There is a thing there. And that's why, like for me, Purple Rain, it is like you said, like it's kind of the perfect ending song uh after everything and actually on the album it works even better in that sequencing because you have i would die for you then baby i'm a star then purple rain because i would die for you is what did i say before it's everybody kind of accepting uh faith and jesus and religion then baby i'm a star is everybody being completely happy in that um in that now new acknowledgement of their spirituality and the presence of God. And then the last song being Purple Rain is, all right, Armageddon is here and I'm sorry for anything that anything that could have happened in the past. And really I want to move forward into the Purple Rain and into eternity and heaven and whatnot with a clear conscience. Right, well. I think that that is a perfect uh, transition moment to start digging into the lyrics. And I will also say the song doesn't have a ton of lyrics, really. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> got a few verses, and the chorus is very simple. Um, yeah, a few verses, a, cor- a simple chorus, and then you know some outro-style uh, acknowledgments of the crowd and just trying to get people involved because the song, as everybody kind of knows at this point, portions of it a large portion of it was recorded live and that's the version that you get on the album of course there were some things that added to the to the mix before it was released and before it was added to the to the record like the strings like you'd mentioned before the strings at the end 
were not part of the original live recording. Correct. But they add a lot to the song. It's a very, it's, it adds a lot of beauty, I think, to the song towards the end. And I will say, just as just because the ending is so, it's lengthy, but it's also so beautiful and how it just transpires and goes from like you know more exciting and then it kind of slows down and then it brings in some new musical elements into it to kind of almost like a lullaby in some ways and when i was a kid listening to this album and we got to purple rain you know i will admit as a nine and ten year old child the song was a little dull for me (laughs) you know i mean i liked the more upbeat songs and that was just what I was gravitating towards. And Purple Rain was a, a little bit dull. I knew it was a good song and I enjoyed listening to it. But as the song progressed and got, you know, to the five, six, seven minute mark, I just couldn't believe how long it was. I'd re- never really experienced a song that of that length up until that point. I was used to very short bursts of pop music that you would hear on the radio. And this song bro- broke that mold completely. And... I could I see just, that though. I could see yeah, that because yeah. you know, I could see like you listening to the album and "Baby I'm a Star" ends, and you're just like, "That was a great ending of an album." Like, that's wonderful. Like, <laughs> like I could even see the album ending there because even "Baby I'm a Star" is a pretty good ender. Um, you know, when I did my review of uh, what was it, Michael Jackson's um, Michael Jackson's Thriller, uh, when I did my review of that. I had only ever heard the last song on that album like one or two times before because because the, the song before the last song was was PYT pretty young thing and I'm just like oh, I listen to you know to pretty young thing constantly and but I like I would stop it there and then I wouldn't listen to it anymore so it's like I get that cuz sometimes you just want to end on that nice upbeat happy you know, feeling, especially when you're young, you know, when you get older, you're able to appreciate kind of those more somber moments and those more emotional songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that it took me a little bit, but I, I warmed up to it not too long afterwards. And, and then I realized, oh, you know, eight minute, 44 second songs aren't that unusual. Once I started exploring music <laughs> outside of pop, I was listening to things and then I saw like, oh, OK, well, that's not that unusual. It's It just seemed unusual to me at the time, but there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of songs on albums that exceed that that length, and then Prince has a ton of them. I was listening to something, a Prince album, I forget which one, it might have been like Emancipation or something like that, and, and the track listing kept coming up. And uh, my kids were in the back, back seat and they could see the length of the song. Like, gosh, does Prince ever record a song that is short? Does he have any short <laughs> songs in his, in his discography? I'm like, he does, but he also has a very i don't know if it's disproportionate but it, it has a very large percentage of songs that exceed that five six minute mark <laughs> i feel what I, what i like to say is i mean prince prince would record a song and he i think would record it until it was done uh and sometimes it would be super long and sometimes it would be super short uh, but if you got a long version it's because he felt he could not cut it yeah. Like he couldn't edit it because there are some there are some songs like um, on the 1999 deluxe that we just got. There's a longer extended version of Delirious, and yeah. I'm like, I listen to it and I'm like, well, it's basically Delirious but longer, and I understand why he cut it because mm-hmm. it didn't make it better that it was longer. It actually made it better when he edited it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if so if he's got a long song on there, it's because that's the best form of it. I never meant to call you when you saw I never meant to call you when you pain. I don't want to want to dance you like All right, so let's get into the lyrics um, and move on here. So the first verse of the song, you know, I think everybody kind of can sing along this song, but I'll repeat the lyrics for those who can't. (laughs) I never meant to cause you any sorrow. I never meant to cause you any pain. I only wanted to one time see you laughing. I only wanted to see you laughing 
in the Purple Rain. That's the first verse. Yep. So what I get from this, once again, is kind of thinking it from how it fits in with the movie is really like we already kind of talked about that apology. It's 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 an it's a public apology in mm -hmm. song form as it fits in with the film. And you feel like he's not just talking to Apollonia, not just talking to Wendy and Lisa, not just talking to his parents, uh, to everybody, you know, anybody who he potentially could have in, you know, in his mind harmed or done wrong in whatever way, just because of his like personality flaws, never meant to cause you any sorrow or pain. But really, I think a lot of people look at it as more like a directed towards Apollonia since that's the main you know love interest of the of the film and that's kind of what we're trying to resolve throughout like it's the a plot for the most part in this film you know he's got like b and c plots going on in the background but this seems to be to me always been the a plot was his relationship with apollonia and he um you know i mean they they fight a lot in the film and he he smacks her he he doesn't treat her right in many ways and he feels like she wronged him and so he yeah. has issues with that and so you know I, I get the sense that this is just like i said an apologetic it's apologetic tone with lots of regret uh what else do you get from this first verse well and that's so if we go from the other direction then it is you know the the, the part about the purple rain like it's i wanted to see you laughing in the purple rain the purple rain's here like it's there like there's not like the purple rain is coming or anything like that so the end of the world is currently happening mm -hmm. and you know basically what he's doing is he's calling out to that person uh be it you know a lover a family member anybody who he's wronged and he's saying you know he's saying his apologies before there's no more chance to do so yeah i think the way that i looked at it always growing up and just even not even that long ago was that the purple rain was just like a metaphor for and i wasn't thinking end of the world but just more like a metaphor for like a, like a cleansing or because you know it, he, prince has talked about bathing he's had so much yeah. com, uh, concepts around taking baths and water and you know you have the iconic opening of the windows cry video of him climbing out of a bathtub You've got the opening to computer blue where is the water warm enough and so there, i think all of those culminated in my my thoughts about this song for so many years of it just kind of falling in line with that well and, yeah and there's and there's a lot of people who took these lyrics to be like somewhat romantic like i've, yeah. I've heard that because yeah. they're like well he's talking about bathing and i'm just like but no he, bathing if there's rain coming down it just means that you're soaked <laughs> like that's that's what he said. He's just using a different word for it. He could have yeah. said "covered in the purple rain" or "soaked by the purple rain," but bathing. You know, he likes to use the word "bathing." It's a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, so it's not actually about taking a bath because if you were to if you were to take it in that literal sense of you know bathing in the purple rain is him taking a bath. Then if you go to the chorus the second time, which I know we're going to get to, um, is he says underneath the purple rain. So if you were to take it literally, then maybe you are in a bath, but in the second chorus, you're underneath the purple rain, which would mean that like you're drowning, which would also mean the end, yeah. you know? So it's, you could take it both ways. You could take it literally or metaphorically. Uh, it means the same thing really in the end. Yeah, and, and he doesn't, it... For those of us who looked at it that way, the cor the first chorus where he says purple rain and he repeats that a uh, total of six times, I only want to see you bathing in the purple rain. That kind of gave us the the notion that we were on the right path with that yeah. <laughs> thought process. <laughs> you know, the way he words that, he just falls in line with a lot of like the romantic aspects of you know yeah. somebody giving another person a bath, somebody that they care about, wanting to see you bathing. It maybe implies that and honestly, you know, as somebody who was very young and, and knew kind of what Prince was about or kind of had a sense for what we, I thought Prince was about, meaning like very sexual and had, I wouldn't say necessarily always explicit lyrics, but definitely had 
sexuality as a forefront in in a lot of what his lyrics were speaking about i took it that way as well like yeah well how do you take a bath you take a bath nude right so it, it it's almost like foreplay in some ways in my mind and that's yeah way i looked yeah. at it in many respects is kind of like a foreplay towards somebody that he was kind of regretting harming i only wanted to see you bathing in the purple rain meaning to me you know if i wouldn't have basically fucked this up i could i could have <laughs> i could have seen you bathing in the purple rain and we could have had this really romantic moment yeah um, but i messed that up well and there's a couple of different ways that you can take that right it's because the line of i only wanted to see you bathing in the purple rain like that's that's the tricky part right so i only wanted to see you and again it's kind of all connected with lyrics that come up later on yeah. because he talks about wanting to guide her guiding people um so like in this case like purple rain is the end of the world but it also represents god so um at the end of the world i wanted to make sure that you were with me in in god in purple rain yeah. i wanted you to bathe in the spirituality and the love of god you know so and the fact that it's i only wanted to see you do that means like you know he was trying his hardest to to do it and he messed it up like you said like yeah. i'm trying to get you to come with me but you're not doing that like that's the thing right it's like this this song is not necessarily even sung to the person it's it it, it is a song about regret it is kind of uh, a song about him saying i really wish that she was here but she's not yeah i mean it's regret but it's regret for for a different reason yeah is what i kind of get from like, your interpretation or the, you know the aspect angle that you're coming at with this song yeah and i and i like that i mean it, it multiple meanings of of lyrics are always interesting it always sparks interesting conversations <laughs> and this song i'm so glad that there's other aspects or other angles to look at these lyrics because it is confusing if you're thinking of it just in the context of the film some things don't make sense and let's <laughs> let's get on to verse two and i'll kind of explain that a little more let's do that Verse two is, I never wanted to be your weekend lover. I only wanted to be some kind of friend. Baby, I can never steal you from another. It's such a shame our friendship had to end. So in the second verse, what always kind of confused me when I was thinking of this only as kind of explain how the song was going to fit in with the film is that last line. It's such a shame our friendship had to end. Yeah. Because in this in the movie they they reconcile like I said this ma this magical song allowed Apollonia <laughs> to understand him and understand his apology and accept who he was and how he was trying to change. But you get almost like the sense from that line that the song is like a a kiss off, not necessarily like a kiss off like f you kiss off, but just like this is over and and um, it's unfortunate that it's over, but our friendship had to end. Yeah. And um, there's no kind of turning back from that. I, on I only wanted to be some kind of friend. Uh, I never even wanted to be your weekend lover. To me, always meant like, okay, I wanted it to be more than just a fling, you know, more than just uh, a good time. And steal you from another, you can make that, you can make that fit with the whole Morris Day triangle love triangle. Yeah, totally. But that last line, our shame our friendship had to end, was what always kind of tripped me up a bit. So then, if you're looking at the second verse from the angle you're taking, what what are kind of like your points that you wanted to bring up with this? Well, I've actually, I've, I've, you can take it from two different points of view. You can have it as kind of a continuation of, you know, the first verse of, you know, uh, I didn't want to hurt you, 
uh, and you seem to have made your choice that you are not going to come along with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to be over here with God. You know, so it's like, you know, like that's cool if you don't want to be with God. I'm going to be over here. Such a shame. Sorry. See you later. I'm going to go be in the purple rain. Yep. Um, but another interpretation that I've heard is it's kind of a similar thing to um, I Would Die For You and that this second verse is actually Prince kind of speaking in the voice of Jesus. Uh, and in such a way of like, I never wanted to be your weekend lover. You know how like people sometimes just go to church and they only think about god when they go to church on the weekends yeah um this is not my theory i've heard this one kind of floating around but it makes sense it makes sense within the context um so if you think about it in that as you know the second verse being from jesus himself uh then you know i didn't want to be your weekend lover i wanted to be some kind of friend which means like i wanted to be with you all the time but I can't steal you from another and you can say another could be just life uh you know responsibility you know anything that would keep you from you know keeping your religion kind of being front and center in your life and of course if it's the end then yeah i mean it's if if in the end you do not make the choice to accept jesus into your life well then you know under the rules of the bible uh if i recall you go to purgatory and i don't even think you go to you don't technically go to hell unless you've done something terrible. If you've if you've necessarily lived a normal life, a normal happy life, but you just didn't accept Jesus, then you are in purgatory, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> but yeah, and that makes sense. You know, our, it's a shame our friendship had to end. It's more just saying there's really no other there's no other opportunities now. Like you made your choice. The end of the world's here. You're not going to get another chance. So this is this is goodbye. Yeah, you know, that choice has been made. I will not see you again. And exactly. you know, I mean, there's some sadness there, and that's kind of like for me. I always got a bit of sadness in, from this song. I didn't always know why, but it's the music helps. You know, it's, it has some sadness with the. Oh strength. yeah, definitely. And the way it's sung, the performance of it is in some ways, many ways, sad. And, but even if you, even if you kind of compare it to the movie, like this song. There are scenes of like his dad in the hospital, yeah. you know, it's just like stuff like that. Like, oh, like this song could be a sorry song to his dad who, you know, obviously died. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, which we which we learned in Graffiti Bridge, you know, at the end of Purple Rain, they kind of made it sound, made it look like, oh, well, you know, they're all in a hospital together. He's probably going to make it. And then you find out at the beginning of Graffiti Bridge, which is, you know, kind of the de facto sequel to Purple Rain, kind of, sort of. Um, no, his dad died. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, crap. You know, it's like, oh, wait a minute. That changes everything. Yeah, I think most people assume that he's going to make it after, if they only watch Purple Rain in the vacuum and they don't follow it up with Graffiti Bridge. Mm-hmm. Those tricky <laughs> tricky movie producers <laughs> made us all think that his dad made it. But the second verse is the same as the first, except for that last line. Instead of bathing, uh, he, the, it says, I only want to see you underneath the Purple Rain, which... You kind of already alluded to that and explained what what that kind of means in the context of what what you're talking about. So yeah, and honestly, I think it's just if you're just taking it from a songwriting standpoint, it's just another way to say bathing. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's just yeah. another way to say like I want you covered in the purple rain. Yeah, like without being redundant. Yeah. Without being redundant, because a lot of choruses can do that. Uh, and he's already said "Purple Rain" now twelve times. So exactly, he was pretty good at um, you know, flipping words around in his choruses to prevent them from being exactly the same, identical from you know chorus to chorus to chorus. Just doing yeah. something small to make them distinct, and that that's always appreciated. Definitely, I always appreciated that. Yeah. Seem to make up your mind. I think you better close it. Let me guide you to the purple rain. 
So the third verse, then he's singing a little more energetically. Um, I don't know, with more feeling, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to best express that, but the way he sings. I mean, how do you describe the way he sings the third verse as opposed to the first two? Um, I mean, he's. I mean, he's essentially doing his his signature kind of screams, but what I, w- I would say it's more pleading. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. Honey, I know, I know, I know. Times are changing. It's time we all reach out for something new. That means you too. And I can't ever say that line without pointing at something. <laughs> you have to point at something. Yeah. I just automatically do it. You say you want a leader, but you can't seem to make up your mind. I think you better close it and let me guide you to the purple rain. Mm-hmm. So the third verse meant nothing to me in terms of the movie. Like oh, it, yeah. was, it, it was its own thing from day one. The moment I first started listening to the song and actually paying attention to the lyrics, I'm like, I have no idea how this fits in with the movie anymore. Because it doesn't, right? I mean, because it doesn't, yes. It doesn't. <laughs> so this is where really, like, I mean, we already explained how the first two verses can be looked at from the spiritual angle and the end of the world angle. Mm-hmm. But now it's it's a bit more clear if you're looking at it from that side of things what this is all talking about yeah and to state up front again like when i was a kid and i would be listening to this i i didn't give it a second thought i just sang the words because it was a great song mm-hmm. you know so it's like i did i really did not even bother trying to know what i was singing <laughs> yeah and so you say you want a leader i mean do you take that to be god well Jesus? I think what that is, is because this is, you know, it's kind of, it's two pieces, but it's kind of all together because you have the, I know times are changing. It's time we all reach out for something new. That means you too. So what that means is there are so many people out there who are trying to find um, either a replacement for God or trying to check out other religions, uh, trying to find the best spirituality that you know kind of speaks to them uh, and then it gets to the second part you say you want a leader but you can't seem to make up your mind and that's where you know a lot of people are kind of questioning there's a lot of people who ha- are questioning uh spirituality as opposed to just accepting it and that's the part it's just like you can't seem to make up your mind so just close it which is i i've never necessarily liked that line because, uh, you know, in, in the way that I've always interpreted Prince's music is like you have to have an open mind in order to appreciate it, really. Uh, but like, literally, he's saying like, but no, close your mind. Stop thinking uh, of those other things. You just need to just let me take you where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Which um, which I guess you, you, you could say that it's something... So, so if you take it from the spiritual aspect, then, uh, then yeah, it's basically probably from Jesus's point of view again, or from Prince's point of view of trying to lead you to Purple Rain, which is God and Jesus trying to lead you there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's like, he's like, shut up! All of my songs are about this. You just don't realize it. I'm literally trying to tell you this is what you need to do to get to God. <laughs> and you know, so so stop trying to you know just shut up. Stop trying to figure it out. I'm telling you this exactly, uh, so just do it. And um, but if you can also take that from again, like it's like from the Jesus, you know, if, G- if Jesus is speaking, then he's like, you know, you're looking at everybody but me. So why don't you just let me take you, you know, yeah. while while the world is ending. Yeah. By the way, the world's ending. So. By the you, way, the world's ending. Yes. <laughs> you can't. You can't. Uh, you can't be so un- indecisive anymore. You know. Yes. You, you can't seem to make up your mind. I really. You really just need to stop it. Like you said, just shut up because you don't have a lot of time here. <laughs> you know? Let me just guide you to the purple rain because it's already falling all around us. Um, and you know, instead of like, I try to do, I try to get you there on your own. You're not. You're not listening to me, or you're just too confused, too conflicted, whatever. So let me just guide you there because you need to get there. If we're gonna get, if you're gonna get there, you need to get there now, not tomorrow, not in a week. So, yeah, that's it's definitely interesting because, like I said, this verse really doesn't fit in with the film anymore. So it has its like its own, its own thing. 
<laughs> in coming up with what that thing is is the fun part really i mean that's well that's you, the interesting if you look at it within the standpoint of the movie i think this last part and this is this is the work with me here this part was to billy and it was actually why at this part after this part was where billy started kind of getting into it right yeah if you take it as the kids singing to billy then like hey i know times are changing you're reaching out for something new, like a girl group, right? I know that you're trying to make it different and trying to change things, but um, if you shut up and just let me play my damn music, then we won't have a problem here. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, Billy's the one that chastised them about nobody understands your music but yourself or exactly. whatever the exact lines were and it's like well that's not so true you know billy just because you have a closed mind about the kid and his music doesn't mean everybody else's everybody in the movie is looking up at the kid enraptured by you know him standing there and he's got that awkward silence at the very beginning of the scene doesn't know where to begin he ba barely whispers into the mic this is for my father or whatever and uh but everybody's really into it you know and and to say like nobody's into your music but yourself you just proved him wrong with the performance of this song and so if you look at it that way which i like i, I dig that if you look at it that way it's almost like see i told you <laughs> exactly exactly um which is again like that's like a, a third or a fourth way to interpret these lyrics but like um because it because if we take it and we say like uh, we could say, like, say, the first verse was to his dad, and the second verse was to Apollonia, and the third verse was to Billy. Those three being, like, his main people that he needed to apologize to for the way that he had acted. Um, none of the verses are for Morris. Like, Morris was a, was a jackass in the movie, and, <laughs> and he, he did not deserve an apology. Yeah, and he kisses uh, Wendy on the cheek in the performance, so that's his apology right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't get an actual apology in the lyrics, Wendy. I'm just going to give you a kiss on the cheek and you can grimace at it all you want, but that's what you get. That's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And uh, with, with the after that chorus, then, you know, he's talking about Purple Rain again, but this is where he adds some additional lyrics, so like ad-libs, but lines like, if you know what I'm singing about, come on, raise your hand. I only want to see you in the Purple Rain. That always gave me more of like a a feeling of trying to get the crowd on his side or i mean like if you're thinking of it from a religious standpoint i look at him more like a like a, an evangelist or mm -hmm. somebody along those lines who's who's really trying to uh, gather the troops so to speak and get them involved get them to listen but also participate actively participate in in the sermon you know exactly. and think of it that way and it really fits in from that standpoint because otherwise, it's, it's a, it seems like a very personal song that you wouldn't necessarily ask for crowd participation in, unless you're looking at it from a different, completely different angle, like what what we're doing here. Right, right. Well, and that's kind of the thing about it, right? Is whenever he would say, "If you know what I'm singing about, raise your hand," everybody just raises their hand. Like that's what you do, like at a concert or stuff like that. If you don't really. You know, it's kind of like the, are you ready to rock? It's just like, well, it doesn't really matter if you're really ready to rock. Like, they're going to go ahead and start now. Uh, it's like, that's that's basically just kind of a, a cue to you as the audience to respond in a certain way. So, yeah. you know, uh, so like I said, like, for many, many years of my life, I still raised my hand. I really did not know what he was singing about. But, but I still, like, I had my interpretation of it in my brain, but it was, I don't even think it was near the truth. But guess what? I still raised my hand and still swayed along and still slung along. So. Yeah, because that's what you do. Because that's what you do. <laughs> that's what you do in those moments. I mean, and this is the song where Prince basically plays the Purple Pied Piper in many respects, and mm. he wants us to follow him into the Purple Rain. And and if uh, you're not really sure what that is, just follow along and you'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> I love the idea of a Purple Pied Piper. Like, the alliteration just works really well for me. <laughs> Something needs to be called the Purple Pied Piper now. Oh, like, yeah. it just needs to. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well that's really the end of the lyrics because then we've got that's like less than four minutes into the song and we're done with lyrics um the rest of the song is you know the very iconic ending the guitar solo 
I mean, the guitar solo at the end is what most people remember, but then that bleeds yeah. into the more somber and kind of slower aspects of it, where it becomes more of a, I think I mentioned it as like almost like a lullaby in many respects. Yeah. The, the orchestra chimes in and that turns it into something else. Um, but from a lyrical standpoint, that's it. That's it. Uh, so I guess that's where we we ended here. Uh, <laughs> well, do you have any final thoughts on the song itself? Or do you feel like we covered everything you wanted to talk about in terms of the lyrics? I mean, I think we hit it. I think we hit it all. I mean, Purple Rain is, is you know, it's just one of those songs that's synonymous with Prince. And even even if you don't know the song, it's like, you know, the phrase Purple Rain. There's a, there's a bunch of books called Purple Rain spelled with a different rain of like the Prince, uh, you know, and, you know, yeah. So it becomes that sort of thing. It's just becomes synonymous with him. And, um, so, but so it's always fun to that. That's why this was the very first, like, I because I started doing, you know, some videos where I'm kind of exploring the lyrics of songs and stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to be like you, Jason. I'm just trying to be good, uh, good lyric listener and breaking <laughs> stuff down like you do so well over here. Okay. Uh, but there was a reason why Purple Rain was the first one I wanted to do. I think it's because it's so it's such an iconic song that really almost nobody really understands what the lyrics are and honestly i i i think we we dove deeper here in an hour-long podcast you know obviously than i did in my 10-minute video uh so <laughs> um which is good uh it actually and and you know i said some stuff over there that i actually i don't I probably didn't say over here but uh i actually really really enjoyed this i just want to say that uh you know right. i listen to you all the time uh being a guest on here is completely different though it was a lot of fun yeah well i'm thankful that you agreed to do it because i really felt like you had a unique perspective on the song and i wanted you to explore that with me a bit more because this is a song that is so near and dear to a lot of people right yeah. and so to open other people's minds up to an alternate meeting outside of maybe what they always thought of or maybe never thought of at all, which we both agree is often something that happens with lyrics. You just sing along, you don't think about it. Yeah. Uh, you enjoy it for what it is and then put no further thought into it, which is not wrong. It's just the point of this is to shed to light some alternate meanings, some th some uh, theories, because that's all ultimately what we're mostly doing. Although in this case, we do have a Prince quote about the interpretation of the song so we yeah. can at least go back to that and say at one point prince said this about this song yeah and and i've heard people go like oh that was just prince like covering his tracks and it didn't actually have anything to do with that and i'm like ah i don't know it sounds plausible <laughs> you know <laughs> well, so what i mean if we follow that path even if that was true how would we ever prove that right exactly it, it came out of his mouth and all we can do is really take it for you know at face value and what what he delivered to us as a meaning it's not like he had an alternate meaning and then 20 years later said forget that this is what it means now we only have the one quote that i'm aware of so yeah it is what that is but uh no this has been excellent i'm, I'm very thankful that you joined me on the show where can people uh check you out Aloy? I mean, the, the best place to check me out is on YouTube uh, at my Princess Friend channel, just youtube.com slash Princess Friend. Uh, pretty easy to find me. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hide. Trust me. Um, <laughs> I'm also on Twitter at Princess Friend YT, Instagram at Princess Friend YT. I'm on Facebook. I'm pretty much everywhere. Type in Princess Friend into Google. Uh, you'll definitely find me. And, you know, we have a lot of fun over on my channel. Uh, you know, we do song comparisons, we do discussions, uh, I ask questions that nobody wants to um, answer, which is which is fun, or people, you know, hate that I even bring up questions. Uh, that's actually what happened this week, which is kind of funny in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm big on dissecting things, overthinking things. Uh, Me too. That's, that's, <laughs> well, that's why it's perfect that I'm here, and that, and that you've actually been on my channel before. Uh, you were in my review for Emancipation. So uh, anybody who wants to see Jason uh, do a stellar job as an actor, uh, go, go check out my review for the first disc of Emancipation because he's on that video. I can't believe you said that without cracking up. Wow, thanks. <laughs> 
No, this I has mean, been great. It, was, it was a small role. I <laughs> mean, very so. small. <laughs> very small. You know, there's no small roles, only small actors. <laughs> I've heard that too. Um, I don't know. In this case, I think I think I literally you had like one line. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my choice. All right. Um, so yeah. Anyway, thank you again, and I've already praised your channel enough. I'll praise it again. Check out Prince's friend on YouTube. It's a it's it's a great channel. I check it out every time he puts out a new video. Always right there watching it. Maybe not on you know, first minute, but I always check them out at some point. So I encourage everyone else to do is the same if you haven't already. And thank you so much for having me on, Jason. This was, it's, this was a lot of fun. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. So this has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find me on any social media platform, basically, that's out there uh, at Press Rewind 75. And uh, I wanted to thank everybody for listening. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>